the an attempt basically to suppress uprisings and riots um because the the french state recognized very early on that a great deal of political protesting is ultimately due to hunger um and so the price of a baguette always has to be at a certain level in france um yeah very interesting good Good we should do that in the uk absolutely if everyone had a baguette for nothing like it's, it's very little money we're gonna at least not be on the streets and you know soup kitchen it all the time there's a soup kitchen on the end of my on the end of my street mate i mean this is hoxton zone one right so um yeah this is this is not great bro um no that's not great anyway um anyway it is we're live everybody uh we're live we're back we're back after a one week hiatus where we all took a break uh, but welcome everybody to the first show of the year, Brain Food Live on Air. We're going to try and do this every week uh, because it is our duty to give you a platform to have a conversation on the stuff we care about in recruiting. So thank you all for joining uh, us. I hope you all had a very good uh, uh, holiday break and you're f- refreshed and ready to go for 2023. Um, and today, by the way, our purpose is to do some mystic meg crystal ball gazing forecasting for what's going on so i know what people are going to say they're going to hammer us uh for saying yes no this is gonna you can't possibly know what's going to happen yes we know we can't possibly know but we're going to give it a shot anyway um we've got a, a bunch of superb commentators to come on who are going to give their best overview as to what's going to happen this year and then give a give us a projection give us some kind of guess uh so that we can have a bit of entertainment and think about so anyway um good to have everyone here let's do some sound checks as usual um, we should be going live on Crowdcast. I think we are. If you can hear us from Crowdcast, please let us know uh, in the chat. Uh, uh, sort of stream there. Just let us know if the audio and visual is okay. Um, we are broadcasting live on LinkedIn, I believe, uh, where we've got hundreds of people hopefully watching this. Um, so if you can hear me on LinkedIn, do let me know uh, whether you can hear me okay. Um, and we're still live on Twitter, would you believe? Twitter and Facebook, we're blasting this out. So fantastic to see us uh, out there. Uh, okay, let's just crack on. Um, as always, we have to thank our sponsors for Brain Food Live. Um, one of the things that amazes me all the time is that every time we run um, a show, we get a sponsor stepping up and say they want to do it. Um, at this time, no fail. It is a return. I don't think Greenhouse were there last year, but Greenhouse have stepped in for 2023 in a big way. You're going to hear a lot about Greenhouse uh, this year uh, from uh, recruiting Brain Food. Uh, they are, of course, one of the leading ATSs out there um, in the current moment. They're also the ATS that uh, powers uh, OpenAI, which is the company of the moment. Um, so a very interesting product for everyone to get involved in. If you're looking to upgrade an ATS on any way, uh, greenhouse.io or greenhouse.com is the product you need to check out. Um, okay, um, let's get on with the show, folks. We have Adam Gordon back with us. Adam, we're just chatting about France and your holiday. Great to see you. It looks like it's a sunny day in Glasgow there. So uh, hopefully you've had a good break and you're refreshed for the, uh, the year ahead, mate. Absolutely. I've been resting up for this particular show. Good stuff. It's a big one. I reckon we're going to go a little bit over time. So I know sometimes you need to like zip out a free on the dot. But I'm fine. This one might bleed on, I think, a little bit longer because we've got a lot to talk about. Um, without much further ado, we'll bring our guests on ASAP. But let's have your perspective as a grand overview, 2023. How do you see it comparing to 2022? What are the things you're going to see more of or less of in comparison to what happened last 12 months? Um, I mean, this is going to be a little bit, it might come across as a little bit bland, but I think there's three key themes for 2023. 
<clears throat> and they're not brand new themes, but we're going to see more and more of it. Uh, one is integration, better integration between products uh, in terms of tech uh, and therefore a more personalized and joined up candidate experience. So um, integration, personalization, and the third one is automation. I think we're going to see more things getting automated. Uh, and I could probably have said the same thing at the start of last year, but I believe that we've just had an extra year of maturity uh, and 2023 is going to be some big things happening. I agree. I think automation will occur on two levels. And you and I have had uh, a little bit of a, like a, a, a conversation around the edges around this in the sense it'll happen at a corporate level where companies will stitch together these, these systems and these processes will get automated. But I also think it'll happen at the individual level as well, where recruiters will just like adopt some consumer level tech and start automating away um, off on their own bat. Um, and you'll see efficiencies at both those levels going on there, which is going to be super exciting to see. Uh, so interesting times, but also worth thinking about the implications for recruiting work. I mean, a lot of us are thinking, yeah, recruiters will be fine. It'll be this, that, and the other. I think recruiters will be fine. But we, we have to continue to understand where our value is going to be added when a lot of the efficiency type stuff that we used to do, the information carrying that recruiters often uh, still do, will soon be done by systems more effectively than a human being might do. So um, we recruiters have really got to upskill and, and think about those things as well. So very interesting for us to review. Okay, let's bring some of our guests on. We've got loads to bring on, folks. So what we're going to try and do is like rotate them on and off. So I hope everyone's all right with that because we can't squeeze everyone on screen um, straight away. Uh, I'm going to see whether Kate Shoesmith is here with us um she is our first guest oh no i don't think she is it could be katie shoesmith um all right um neither of the kates are here um so if you're if you can hear me kate um and you're somehow like a, a, a kind of strangely named in, in 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 your registration um let me know um in the chat and then we can bring you on but uh, absent, absent Kate, uh, let's swing straight away to look like super far ahead into the future. Oh, there she is. Kate is there. Kate with a... Oh, there she is. Kate Johnson. It's not Kate Johnson. It's just Kate. There we go. I was just thrown thrown off. I should give more uh, clear instructions that when you register on, on Brain Food Live, you've got to use your full name because... Um, it's 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 a it's a kind of a fortunate problem, but we're we're popular enough now that there's actually lots of people with the same name coming on. There she is, Kate. Hi, how are you doing? Great to see I'm you. Well, Happy New, Year. Happy New Year, guys. Nice to see you both. Great to see you, Happy Kate. New Year. For the folks who don't know you, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Kate Shoesmith, and I'm the Deputy Chief Executive at the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. So we're the UK professional membership body for the recruitment industry. And uh, and globally, we're obviously members of the World Employment Confederation as well. Fantastic. And it's such a great pleasure to bring you onto a show like this, because a person with your type of industry, so your industry overview might be able to give us a bit of perspective as to what you think the staffing sort of world is going to look like in 2023. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I know it's a huge term to, to sort of grasp, but having come through 2022 and now moving into 2023, what is the mood amongst the, 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 the membership there? What are you seeing in terms of new business formation? What are you seeing in terms of are they growing as businesses themselves in terms of hiring more recruiters? You know, what is the real deal uh, there, Kate? 
Yeah, sure. So, so I'll, I'll approach this mostly from a UK perspective, but a lot of our members, so we've got over 3000 companies that are incorporated in the UK in membership. A lot of them will also have a global footprint or at least an international footprint in some way, shape and form. So they'll often be supplying overseas or they'll have offices, depending on their, their brand, um, working in other in other jurisdictions as well. Um, and, and it is interesting, isn't it? One of the things that you always do, you're always tempted to do when you start a year is you spend a bit of time looking back at all of the stuff that the data's shown you um, previously. Um, and one of the things that becomes very obvious to all of us is that there's no easy way of predicting what's happening in the jobs market sometimes. But what we do know is it's often, it, it varies. It goes between being a lead indicator for the economy to a lag indicator for the economy, what's happening around employment. Um, so so to, to explain what I mean by that, when we came out of um, the lockdowns from the pandemic, the jobs market exploded. Um, and there was this huge, we, we termed it a sugar rush um, following the pandemic, where that pent up need to hire from businesses uh, went through the roof. And, and recruiters were saying to us, having started uh, 2021, not entirely certain what was going to happen and being quite slow out the blocks because we were still in UK at, at least and pretty much um, all territories were still in lockdown. 2021 turned into to recruiters best ever year and then thinking, well, that can't continue. But lo and behold, 2022 starts and it's still roaring ahead. And, and many of our members said to us that they really did have their best ever year driven by um, those twin tracks of huge employer demand for staff and lower and lower candidate availability. So looking at the data that we can see right now, the expectation is that demand is still holding strong. If we look at all of the data just pre-Christmas, um, the intention to hire was still very high amongst employers uh, across the board in a, in a UK context. And speaking to our colleagues, it feels like that's the intention um, globally as well. Uh, although with an element built in of caution. And, and one of the things that was interesting in the pre-Christmas data is that pre-Christmas hiring spree seems to get later and later every year. So we actually saw that coming through in the end of November data, whereas you'd normally expect it August, September, October in retail terms, and it didn't. Um, and then also, if you're looking at the, the supply of people, huge problem, still real tightness in the labour market across the piece, across pretty much universally all sectors, it seems. Um, you just need to look at the, the news coverage that we've had in the UK over the Christmas period of what is going on in the NHS, across care, um, across many of our key areas. Think about tech, and you're talking about the, uh, the automation and the changes that are happening there, digital skills being at the forefront of requirements. Our Prime Minister talking about why we need math skills until the age of 18. Skill shortages are here to stay. So a little bit of a sense of this year will be the inverse of 2022. 2022 started strong, perhaps didn't end the year as strongly as it started. 23, perhaps a bit of a slower, steadier start for many recruiters is the, is the feeling. Uh, amongst our membership, at least, where demand is there, candidate availability is quite constrained still in many key sectors. So you do need your recruiters to be doing this work for you. But as the economy starts to ease, inflation starts to go back to something that might feel a little bit more normal than 2023 finishing on a stronger level. 
Can I just respond to two different things that Kate said? And by the way, Kate, that was absolutely brilliant. I love that summary. Thank you. Um, the first one was that you said there's no easy way of predicting what's going on in the in the jobs market. And this really reflects a lot of conversations I have with people in talent acquisition who tell me that their biggest problem. I talked earlier about integration and automation and these generalist things. But actually, the specific thing that I wanted to mention on the on this show is the biggest problem that TA people I know have got is around predicting what they're going to be working on next week and the week after and the week after. Like forecasting is 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 like a chronic problem. And then the second thing, which was a bit something a little bit more specific again, was around your point about retail and the hiring being later this year than it has been. That also fits in with something I'm not sure if you will be necessarily um, have a lot of visibility on, but from retail talent acquisition people, the in-house recruitment people I know, they've like across the board, they've told me they did a much, much better job this year of keeping in touch with people who worked with them the year before and the year before that and the year before that. Their internal talent pipelines were, were, were doing a much more effective job than they had been. So it may be they were, by the time they were going externally, it was, hang on, we're in panic mode now. We've got you know, not enough people. And so they had intended to do it all themselves, but uh, last minute decided, hang on, now we can't, we need to use the external supply. Just wanted to respond on a couple of those things. I I agree with you entirely. I I feel like um, this is perhaps a bit of a personal reflection. In the 10 years that I've been um, in the REC, when I first joined back in, it was 2013, there was always this talk about recruitment is a people business, right? We work with people. I have never seen it more people-centered than it is now, though. Um, And a real sense of that, you said personalization is one of your key three themes. I I agree. But that has to be lived. Because the ones that aren't living that and are talking to that value, perhaps, and saying, oh, no, we really we really talk to our candidates. We see them through the journey. We, we're there to support throughout. We understand our clients' perspectives. We know those teams. And then when they don't demonstrate that, they're falling over. The ones that are doing it are really winning ground um, from yeah. my perspective. And the being able to forecast piece, I think the other thing that's changed over the course of the pandemic in particular is um, we quite often speak in highfalutin terms about workforce planning. Um, And then people sit there and go, well, I don't really know what you mean. The recruiters that are talking through workforce planning and in terms of forecasting, okay, so where are your skills needs now? How do you see that changing? What's your progression plan for your staff? How are we going to help you with the retention of those individuals because they are your future hirers as well. I'm interested in that as a recruiter, thank you very much. Um, Being able to do that piece and helping their clients forecast in quite specific terms, I think that's the the value added that you can bring as recruiters today. That's an amazing insight. Because as you were saying it, Kate, I was just thinking there's this, maybe internal recruiters might just cycle through companies too quickly for them to ever have that long-term ability. It's a lot about relationships. It's also a lot about credibility internally, et cetera. I think average tenure of an in-house recruiter, maybe two uh, a year, 18 months, something like that, even less uh, in terms of the staying with a certain company. So it might be a, an opportunity for a third-party recruiter 
to come in to provide that type of analysis uh, and that support. Because if it's missing within um, the corporate space, then someone's going to have to fill that gap. And you know, we, I think we all do talk a good game in workforce planning, but all of us would accept that it's not particularly um, ubiquitous um, and it's certainly not at a particularly high standard. Uh, we, and we've got friends in industry. I'm just thinking, I can't, can't stop thinking about Danny Hodgson right now. He's going to bang in the drum about workforce planning, but he's right. I mean, literally, it is a fact. It's down the list of things that we do. We don't do it systematically or well. So it could be an opportunity for recruiters. Um Okay, I love the way in which you kind of encapsulated the inversion of this year where 2022 started off crazy, crazy peak. Obviously, we had massive geopolitical issues. We had a cost of living crisis, all these things happening. And then it really kind of dribbled away. And you're saying that, hey, maybe the start of this year will still be a little bit in that trough type area before we pick up again towards Q3, Q4, something like that. Um, what do you think of that, of that conceptualization of the market, folks? Do you feel that that's an accurate sort of way? Do you feel this is how it how it's going to work for you? Uh, let me know in the comments below. Do you see that 2023 will be an inversion of 2022? Um, super interesting. Um, talk to us about new business formation on the agency side, Katie. Uh, do you have any visibility of that? Because I know that you're a membership group, so the, the, the companies that join REC tend to be a bit more mature. So it may not be that you can see, you know, these like really young recruiters out there. So uh, do you have any visibility of that that number? Um, I, can't, I can't give you exact numbers, but I can give you an anecdotal a sense of what we're seeing. Um, so we we definitely saw one of the things that happened in the 2008-9 crash was the high, high levels of redundancies meant that for many people, they made a decision of like, hmm, what shall I do now? I know I'm going to start up. I'm going to go out on my own. We saw an explosion in recruitment startups as a result of that recession. This is a very different feeling. Um, we've, we've officially labeled it a recession in the UK now, but you know this sort of economic downturn, this slowing down um, that we've had over the last couple of months, and we're expecting to see being a relatively short economic slowdown um, in, the, in the grand scheme of things for, for the rest of this year. We haven't seen that same explosion for that reason in terms of startup businesses. What we are seeing is um, we are seeing people making different decisions um, about where they put their, um, their time and their value. So is that making a, a different decision in terms of who I'm working for or whether I am going to go out on my own and, and try this out. And that's that there is there has been some of that sense um, for us. Um, less of the um, people that are from outside of the industry thinking, oh, I've got a great idea. I know how to do recruitment better. I have yeah. seen that maturity come in now of like, actually, it's not as easy as it sounded. I thought I could do this. I'm, you know, I was uh, I was really good at my job. But what I could see is we were struggling to recruit. So I'm going to set up my own recruitment business. Haven't seen that in the same levels at all uh, this time around, at least not yet. We are seeing a few more, um, and I think we'll be, see a lot more of this mergers and acquisitions side. That's that's the bit that's changing. Can I ask about an extension of that? So um, in terms of business models, are we seeing, what trends are we seeing in terms of, I mean, we have a traditional recruitment agency business, which is like temp payroll business, mm. uh, contingency placement permanent fee basis exec search there's not really an awful lot else but what 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 are the themes if there's any around alternative business models 
Yeah. So, so RPO, we, I guess, would have been yes. a, would have been the, the big one. But yeah, absolutely. I was gonna I was gonna say you've obviously got the RPOs and you've got a sense that the la the larger brands can cover that territory and be an RPO. However, I'd say where you've got a specialism and you are the niche provider for your particular subsector or, or occupational areas, being an RPO in that area is no longer um, remote a remote possibility to you as as a mm. business. And people mm. are adding, um, I suppose, strings to their bow if you like. Um, so um, thinking about things like an, an insourcing provision is, is often how it's, yep. uh, how it's being referred to now. Yep. And again, not having to be the biggest company in order to offer that and seeing it as much more of an embedded consultancy service within the client. That's, that's one of the things. Haven't seen, um, although I'm very prepared to be challenged on this, big growth in TA teams in-house um, and so whether that's a, whether that's a cyclical thing and whether that will start feeding through in time, I'm not sure. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, Kate, you've, you, you, I mean, you, you more or less closed the show in terms of the, uh, the, the depth of uh, analysis you provided. I'm, I'm kind of thinking, wow, uh, <laughs> is there anything else to talk about? We've, we've sorted it out. But no, um, let's, let's, uh, before we let you go, Kate, give, give us one thing that you're prepared to make a prediction on. And when I say prediction, I want this to be specific and I want it specific meaning two things. There's got to be a particular number uh, of things that will go more or less and a particular time as to when that's going to happen. So it will be something like, yeah, I predict there's going to be 200% uh, more recruitment agencies going bust in 2022 than there were in 2023 or something, something like that. Can you give us a prediction as to what you see the UK recruitment market's going to be doing uh, this year? You're such a harsh taskmaster. I have to be very specific in terms of percentages and numbers. Um, so, but I'm gonna I'm gonna dodge it slightly. But what I do think we will see is we have got to see more businesses, and particularly in the recruitment marking, being held accountable around EDNI um, standards. So, equity, diversity, and inclusion. There are so many that are doing the right thing. What I think, if to give to give you towards your your numbers, is I I am beginning to see and our members are talking about this a lot more is clients as part of a procurement framework um, and tendering exercises asking for there to be um, ways that you can validate your EDI credentials within that tender in order to progress and there's points being awarded and I would say that don't just think about this as big public sector clients who have to have to mark off um, different areas in order to you know tick the boxes this is this is spreading and I would say that your the tenders that you go through they will want to see what does what does EDI look like within your business they want to know what your makeup of your own staff is and they'll also want to know exactly how you'll move them towards a more um, inclusive recruitment process so that they at the end of the day can judge their diversity within their workforces and that that's what I think it, it, it's going to change we're seeing it so much more already because it's been very largely candidate driven in terms of does this place look like a place that would welcome me um, and customers are increasingly asking that they're making buying decisions uh, based on does this business reflect who I am uh, so so recruiters they'll need to play it through for themselves as well we covered we did a show a few months ago around how do you select the best tech providers um, and uh, I, I my specific recommendation was ask them about their um, EDI and their own you know internal um, policies and statistics and I, I would absolutely agree with you. They should be adding, they should be 
um, extending that to their recruitment agency suppliers as well. So it's good to see this is happening. Um, I, I would say, I, I mean, firstly, I laud that general trend and, and direction, um, and I, I, I would endorse it highly. However, it is not specific enough uh, for our needs in terms of a <laughs> forecast. Um, but that's, don't worry about it, Kate. Um, I think it's going to be a tricky one for anybody to nail. Um, I think it will take a little bit longer before it becomes instituted in such a way where it's formalized. I think people might still be making informal decisions along the track that you mentioned, uh, even though they may then communicate, that's the reason, but it wouldn't be like, hey, uh, on the outset, this is what we're going to try and do. And then the certifications and stuff, I think we're still, that's not going to happen in 2023, in my opinion. Um, it's going to take us, I think, beyond this recessionary period before we we, we, we go ahead and do that. Um, okay, Kate, listen, we're going to have to let you go off screen. Please hang around for the rest of the show. Uh, we might bring you back if there's a bit more time. This is probably going to be 90 minute show rather than 60 minutes so um great to have your input fantastic uh to get your uh, your contribution here kate wasn't she great i mean I, literally brad in, in linkedin has just dropped off he said yeah it was a great conversation guys i'm out i, I can't blame you brad it was it, it's good enough you know that was good enough to uh uh, to, to satiate you. Um, however, we're going to keep going because we've got lots of different things. We're going to try and get different guests on from different kind of perspectives. Uh, now we're going to bring on a good friend of mine who's moved to Lisbon. Um, this is Andy Spence. He is a person that is always looking way out into the future. Uh, so this is not just like predicting what's happening in 2023, but he's looking about the future of work, particularly when it comes down to new models of how people are collaborating and also new ways in which uh, people are trying to operate as individuals as well, himself being a good example of. This is Andy Spence, uh, people who know uh, or follow anything in blockchain or Web3 or whatnot. Uh, you'll know what uh, Andy Spence is all about. Let's see if we can bring him on. Here he is. Um, we'll see if this is happening. Um, I think everyone can watch it on LinkedIn, but I believe it may not be linked to the event somehow. So apologies for the people who signed up for the event. But if you're on my page, you can see the show. Um, there he is, Andy Spence. Good to see you, sir. Happy New Year to you. Hope you had a good one. Yes, Happy New Year to you. How are you doing? Great. We're doing very well. Um, Andy, for the folks who don't know you, I've just mangled your intro. So can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Um, yes, um, I guess uh, I've spent my career um, in, uh, in management consulting, working with HR functions, designing many different types of HR operating models. I started my career studying AI, would you believe, when nobody knew about it. So quite interested in the uh, new AI products. And um, you currently write the Workforce Futurist newsletter um, is a bit of a focus of mine. Fantastic. And it's a great newsletter, folks. It's one of the best in the industry, particularly if you are in that forward kind of viewing. Uh, go ahead and share the link to the newsletter in the chat stream, Andy. Feel free to do that. Um, I highly recommend people subscribe. Um, okay, so... Andy, um, your your business is really about looking into the future, um, and that's the sort of lens that you have. Kind of zoom out, you know what's happening five, ten years down the track. Can you narrow it down for us and, and look? Unusually for you, probably shorter distance than usual, but get it down to twelve months. What do you see happening in in terms of how people might be creating new models of work? What's what's what do you think is going to happen in twenty twenty three that didn't happen in twenty twenty two? Well, we're in interesting times, aren't we? With massive talents, shortages, and also cost of living and unemployment. And even during the lockdown era, we saw people developing their side hustles. 
people actually saying, you know, how can I actually develop some income streams from my yoga teaching or or dog walking or or whatever? So I think that that is a trend that uh, that continues, and I think that's that's definitely there. And I think uh, we forget the great resignation and quiet quitting for now. Uh, I think uh, we'll laugh at that next year with raging inflation. Um, I honestly don't think that's uh, that's an issue. But there's been a great reevaluation of the trade-offs that we all have between work, life, family, time, money, meaning, and that is a constant uh, evaluation. And, and we're going to continually see people um, dabble in different types of uh, <clears throat> income development, from joining um, uh, teams, volunteering, caring, that kind of thing. So I think that's definitely a definitely a trend. And when, when you read about the future of work predictions, one thing I would say about them is you'd imagine that um, it applies to tech workers in California. But it's a reminder there's 3.4 billion people in the global workforce, 2 billion of whom work informally. So it's a massive opportunity to use digital technology to bring people into the economy. And that's a great opportunity for employers and individuals um, basically to, to make their way in the world. I think that's exciting. That's a bit of a mega trend too. Uh, will that affect uh, the recruiter's job next year? I don't know. As I said, that will very much depend on shorter term economic uh, factors, I would have thought. Yeah, fantastic. Um, wow. um, you, you about to say something? Well, I was just going to say, uh, like you kept on the theme here. We had Kate on, who was amazing. And what Andy just said was he with, you know, kept the theme going. Absolutely brilliant. Love that. The, um, the couple of things that I thought were really interesting was this income diversification, um, because one of the things that the COVID period has taught us is that we can't really rely on a permanent job, um, because guess what? An external scenario might occur and totally change the game, and companies are going to have to do what companies are going to do, and they're going to make their decisions. So suddenly everyone became a lot more aware, thinking, you know what? We can't rely on this income stream. We need to have alternatives and start at these side hustles. And I would just wanted to know, from the crowd right now, how many of you here have a side hustle that you're making money from or you intend to make money from? Um, let me know in the chat stream if you're doing this. Like, are you publishing a book? Um, are you trying to do like paid uh, courses in some way? Um, have you got something that you make that you enjoy to do, a hobby that you're trying to commercialize? Um, are you trying to do something on the side, the side hustle? I think the US is particularly in the lead with this. There's something like 30% of people who are employed actually have something else that on the go um and in fact if that grew to a larger percentage they would end up going forward into that space as someone's talking my chat gpt into the the chat stream there let me tell you did you read about the story about the guy who wrote a children's book using chat G gpt <laughs> and mid journey and he went ahead and published it as an ebook and he's obviously made money doing that mid journey for the illustration yeah it took him seven took him seven days to, with no understanding of, of, of AI or anything like that, seven days to get the thing out in, into as a commercial product. And you look at the book and you think, actually, it looks pretty good as a, as a book. People would actually buy this. So side hustling plus uh, AI-powered side and, hustling. And the tech's making it easier. All these different platforms people can work off. People can uh, set up shops on Etsy or Shopify rather easily and, and start uh, selling stuff they make. Uh, live stop, streaming, esports. There's tons stop, of examples. Stop press, stop press. Christiana said she's making earrings and selling them on Etsy. 
Christian, now is your opportunity to stick your Etsy shop into the chat stream. Let's have a look at it. Here's, here's oh, an opportunity. Folks. If you're doing any side hustles, now is the chance to do some free promo to all of these recruiters here. Okay, Nicola, you're also got a side hustle. If you're prepared to declare what that is, please do share it in the chat stream, your link to your whatever shop or whatever it is. Uh, I would guess anything is okay. I was going to say, I mean, there's even stuff that may on that gray area, whether it's okay or not, things like OnlyFans and stuff, huge, huge side hustle for a percentage of uh, creators that have made ridiculous amounts of money doing it. And there's a, there's another tier of, of creators below that that will be making money that is not inconsequential, but possibly not something that they could yeah. abandon their permanent career for. And then there's people like us, Andy, writing newsletters and you know making yeah. some money off that. I mean, it's, it's not like... Like I say, I mean, most of the time you can't just quit your job, but some of the times you can no. get some extra money, which is pays the rent, pays the bills, you know? And do you know what? Over 10 years, I see a lot of entrepreneurial activity in this space, right? And it might be there's a hollowing out of jobs. Let's just say that none of us will be able to really predict how 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 that will work over the next few years. But I think there'll be more entrepreneurialism. And I wrote an article about the end of jobs that was rather controversial in this forum, but it did say that... Um, if that happens, society needs to come up with other other structures to support people for financial security, lifelong learning budgets, uh, universal income, these kind of ideas. So I think these are kind of ideas that will be discussed and tried out in different geographies over the next few years. Um, but I think it will work with a big dose of entrepreneurialism too. And I think the tech can enable that. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic to watch in different different uh, sectors of people and uh, and different geographies. Wasn't there a company that actually uh, rolled out a side hustle friendly uh, employment package? Like they, last year, it was, a, it was quite as a case I remember. I wish I actually made a note of it, but they actually stopped being hostile to the idea that their employees might be doing side hustles and just recognize that's going to happen. Let's create a situation where they can thrive with it. I think it was to say, if you end up deciding to do it full time, you know, we'll be an affiliate in some way. We'll provide no, you with great. this, that, and the other. It was well, the way throwing the employer branding aspect of that, right? So if you've got company A and company B, <clears> and one of the companies allows you to develop your side hustle, coaches you. Once you become successful, you then work with your old employer as a customer, or you promote them, or you love them because <laughs> they helped you. You know, there's a massive employer branding. Um, uh, line to this too, which is which is probably something that we'll talk about on this uh, on this uh, session today because I think it's really important around uh, around attracting uh, people into your organisation in a competitive uh, competitive labour market. Yeah, I, ahead, I just want to give a give a quick a quick tip for anybody that is doing a side hustle, you or, or is considering it. You you want to try and make sure that it's something that you do once and then it's repeatable. And it's not just constantly charging for your time because you yeah. do that, you're going to run out of space. That's a great tip. I was just reading the side there after uh, Hung asked people. There's people, uh, Mary there, who scores cricket matches, uh, which I think is fantastic. And there's all sorts of um, all sorts of examples there. Oh, and yes, yeah, selling e-courses, to Adam's point, it's repeatable. Once you've created the content, it doesn't rely on you shifting your uh, your bum around the world doing training sessions. It's all done and recorded uh, on a subscription basis. Um, so that's how a lot of creators are, 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 are developing their income streams too. So rather than a threat for employers, they can embrace this as an opportunity as well to attract and develop people. I think it's cool. 
All right, well, here's a prediction challenge for you. The way in which I want the predictions to work is, can you make a forecast as to how that is going to play out in 2023? So what is your prediction, Andy, um, whether it's on this particular topic about employer reaction uh, to um, side hustling employees um, or, or whatever you choose to, to, to think about? What do you think is going to happen in 2023? I just don't know. Out? It's too big and volatile, Hung. But I did think about a prediction for you because you did ask. And as I said, my head's in the clouds in 2033. Um, but a prediction <laughs> I'll make for you is that the quality of hire at, will continue to improve at Newcastle United Football Club. And as an added bonus, they won't win the Premier League this year. There's my prediction. That's, that's a strong prediction. I would actually reverse that. I think Newcastle have a <laughs> chance. It's incredible, incredible. They're not the best team. I think Man City are too good. Basically, Holland is too good. Uh, I think he's going to score 50 goals and just get him there. Uh, but Newcastle got a chance, man. They're, they're, they're not far away. The, the, the stick it's the, the tough enough. Um, to, to grind their way through to a, to a position where they may actually get there. Um, okay, Andy, listen, stay with us for the rest of the show. We'll definitely uh, make sure you haven't stuck your uh, uh, newsletter into the uh, the chat there, so make sure you do oh, that. Okay. Um, and then we'll uh, go on, Adam. You about to say something? Quick question for a uh, quick, quick, quick question, slightly off topic, but I know it'll be quite a quick answer probably. Andy, why Lisbon? Um, 300 days of sun per year on average. Uh, Great pastries, <laughs> uh, nice people, very colourful place. So um, um, I'm struggling to learn Portuguese, but I'm enjoying life in Lisbon. There okay. we go. One Good. of many. And I apologise to our sort of Portuguese friends if you're tired of having pasty Brits coming your way. Yeah, but sorry. It's an, it's an attractive country. And guess what? A lot of people are thinking about it. Um, and why not? You know, it's, uh, it's there's a lot of reasons why that should be a good thing. All right, Andy, stay with us. Um, we're going to bring on some other guests um, I think very interesting on that side hustle thing, a company that gets that right. I'd be interested to know whether uh, sort of things like ATSs and LinkedIn's and stuff like that are going to start catering for people that are fractionally working, you know, because everything is built towards, oh, this person is 100% doing this job. But are we starting to move towards a place where companies would be saying, look, I'm comfortable for you to do 70% of the job here, but this, I understand 30% is going to be here. Let's not pretend. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's a, there's there's a there's a slightly different ecosystem for that type of thing, right? So people per hour and Task Rabbit and these types of things, and then there's there, there's more there's newer versions of these which are industry focused type things. All right, so, I. I I agree with that. What I'm trying to say though is I think they'll merge. I think LinkedIn will produce something to allow a company to, rather than just ignore it um, and start saying, right, uh, if you want to fractionalize your job, yep. let's say, let's say you're a perm employee, uh, Adam, and you wanted to, you know, decide to, you're definitely pursuing something great. Uh, the sh is there a system? The, sh the system yeah. should reflect the reality that I'm going to change how that parameter works. Right now, it, it doesn't. It's all full time. Uh, all right, let's talk about recruitment tech, uh, recruitment market, recruitment tech. We've got two of the best analysts on the planet joining us. I hope it's not too early. Um, we've got Madeline Lorano. I think there's only one Madeline, surely. We've got George Laroque as well. Let's see if George is there. That's fine. It's nine thirty-nine. I always worry, man. I, you know, people want to get to sleep. They want to sleep in. I think that's okay. You know, I, I, I struggle to. They, they both got kids. They don't sleep in. <laughs> I think they're quite old now, aren't they? They're also, top, they're they're also top of their game as well. I, yeah. I know, I know. Every, the thing is, with America, our American friends are so committed. Um, uh, that I, I struggle to ask, ask, get up, get up early, and I don't want. 
It's like you're, like you're coming to speak to me. Um, uh, we have Madeline here. Madeline, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Happy New Year. Um, my name is Madeline Lerano. I'm the founder of a company called Aptitude Research. I'm an analyst, so we do research on HR technology and TA tech, and it's been an exciting few years. Great to see Great you, to Madeline. See Madeline. Um, um, do you know what, Madeline? You know what, I think I, I can hear, I can myself, hear myself go through, through your speakers your speaker. there, yeah. oh. and I suspect and I everyone suspect else will be able to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I wonder whether I you wonder have the time to grab some headphones and stick them in. Yeah, I do. Okay, great. Okay, um, George, you want to go? Who are you? Sure. Are you? Sure. Yeah, uh, I'm George uh, LaRock. I'm, I'm the founder uh, of WorkTech, uh, Work and I'm also a market analyst and advisor in the space. What I'm known for is tracking all of the growth capital coming into the space. What I really do is tie all of that to trends and buying habits and tech adoption and look at what's coming next. Okay, cool, cool. I've just, uh, I think Madeline's gone to get her, her headphones. So sorry for the, uh, the double echo there, but it's never a bad thing to hear two, two times worth of George LaRock. You know? <laughs> um, that's like extra value. George, great to see you. Happy New Year to you. It's great um, to see you both. Um, whilst uh, Madeline's coming back to us, um, I wonder whether you could, by the way, uh, if anybody's not following George's material, you absolutely need to, uh, particularly if you're interested in recruitment investment, in recruitment tech and stuff like that. It's like uh, one of the the, the, the the premium things you need to get involved with there. Um, so George, in fact, I think Madeline's back. Let's see the headphones are in. Is that better? Hey, Madeline. Yeah, I think so. That's great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to move you around the room there, Madeline. Um, so, okay, listen, let's, let's have both of you talk about this because in 2022, it, we had uh, essentially uh, a, a big uh, retrenchment from the VC side in the sense of, you know what, we're not going to keep backing these uh, mega scaling unicorns. We're going to start looking at, you know, where the profitability is there, the investment levels didn't match 2021. Uh, but work tech seemed to uh, almost be counter cyclical in many respects. There was like uh, different types of um, technologies within the businesses that we're in were still getting great investment, still getting great growth. Where do you see the market looking in 2022? Do you, do you still see this VC defensiveness being persistent? Um, and how does that apply to the microcosm of work tech? Uh, Madeline, you want to go first with that? Sure. And George definitely would know better than I do because he, he tracks and follows this um, every day. But I already you know, in this month, it's January 5th, I've received three inquiries from companies looking to invest in different providers in TA tech. So I, you know, that was surprising to me. We're five days into the, the new year and companies are looking at the space pretty closely. Investors are looking at the space pretty closely. So I, I think it's going to continue. I don't know if we're going to see this careful evaluation of making sure that companies are, you know, looking like the revenue's there, that there's a real opportunity here. I think it's going to be a little bit of the, you know, the same mess that we've seen for the past two years, where there's a lot of investment going into a lot of providers that, you know, it doesn't always make sense to me. Right. Fair enough. Crazy money thrown in. Crazy we love money. It. Madeline, oh, go ahead. Can I just ask, out of interest, the, you, you said you've had three inquiries from people looking to invest in TA Tech already in, in, in five days. Are these people that are experienced TA tech investors or people that want to get into it? 
It's um, both. Actually, two yeah. of them want to get into it, and one is an experienced one. And often they're using um, third-party firms to reach out to analysts to find right. out you know, how to better understand the market. Right. Very interesting. You know, very funny. Some people actually miscategorize me as an analyst, and I would never put myself in a position with you guys that actually know what you're doing. Um, like all I'm doing is like <laughs> swimming around, like uh, at a very superficial level. You're, you're uh, a media person. You're a media personality. You, yeah. I call you an analyst all the time. I mean, you do that amazing ATS research. I mean, the the predictions that you posted this week were spot on. I might even copy one when you ask me the prediction question. But I, I call you an analyst all the time. I, I went kicking and screaming too, Hung. You're, you're just go, just let it take you. Let it, let the flow go with the flow. Just let it happen. I, I yeah. feel like such a fraud. I mean, I don't feel like imposter syndrome ever, but I, I know I'm, impo I'm an imposter. It's not a syndrome. It's actually an accurate description. If I decide to accept that label, I know it's not true. So uh, if you want to speak to real analysts, you need to speak to Madeline and George. Uh, okay. Uh, go to you, George, with this. Do you, how do you see the market? And don't feel frightened about disagreeing with Madeline or anything like that. Like what's your honest view? about how you see investment overall in technology and within the microcosm of a significant microcosm of our work tech space in 2023. Well, you know, I, I just summed up the year uh, earlier this week and um, I, I think everybody needs some perspective, right? And Madeline's not off the mark. Uh, it was a great year for VC investment in the space, no matter how you look at it. Uh, the, the reset was really uh, getting more realistic and back to normal. I mean, we should be looking at revenue. We should be looking at team. We should be looking at scale. Uh, so here's, here's the deal. 2021 uh, was 18 billion. Uh, we'd never seen anything like that before. The biggest year prior where the two years prior actually were about 5 billion each. Prior to that, we're talking one, two billion, hundreds of millions in HR tech going all the way back to 2016. Uh, this year, 13 billion. Now, the first two quarters were on that 18, 20 billion dollar pace. The last two quarters were uh, between 1.5 and 2 billion each, on par with those $5 billion years. And I'm seeing the same level of activity, uh, probably even more so than Madeline. I run an accelerator for uh, tech startups. Um, so I, there's, I'll be chairing the biggest investment conference uh, butted up against HR Tech in October with hundreds of investors, startups, buyers, all focused on this space. There's a huge amount of interest in this. Um, and it's going to carry forward, not at the $20 billion level, which that's an anomaly. And if you take the anomaly of 2021 out and you look at uh, 2022 or even just the last two quarters, um, it's it looks like a great year, like a great trend. And I would say, just sum it up like this, HR tech was never big tech, HR tech was never fang, and it's a good thing. And now they're having their day, we're, we're, we're having our day. So yeah. that's that's the deal. So, so what you're saying is, is obviously the, the big tech layoffs that we're hearing, these are all like consumer tech in large degree, they're, they're, they're scaling a huge, like hundreds of thousands of employees. There's no HR tech company that has hundreds of thousands of employees, right? Um, I, don't, I don't know which HR tech company has the most employees, but I would guess no more than 10,000 maybe uh, at max in terms of how, how many employees they actually have. Do you know? I mean... That, that, that sounds about right off the top of my head. But here, but what I'm really saying is our our space isn't, you know, we're not shipping consumer products uh, like Amazon. 
uh, we're helping companies of all sizes in all markets, not just big tech. Uh, we're, you know, so that it's, it's a, we're solving a, a different set of problems and the job market, the talent market uh, is more disconnected from the economy than it ever has been before. Now, will that sustain? It seems to, we had a great jobs report again today. It's, it doesn't make any sense to any of us, but uh, unemployment's down jobs added are up in the US. So that's that's what I'm saying is we've got big problems that uh, COVID and the pandemic in the last three years shined a light on. And, um, you know, I've got a big report coming out next week that dives deep into into all of that. Um, I may as well go straight into a prediction on your side then, George. What is the number uh, that, that uh, HR or WorkTech is going to reach in terms of investment this year? Well, that's the prediction you want. I had a, I had a different prediction. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, right. you can. Well, let me see here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say uh, that uh, you know caution um, and you know will will still prevail uh, through Q1, maybe into Q2, and then we're going to see some pent up demand open up as the you know depending on jobs reports and whatnot. Uh, I'm going to say. Um, uh, you know, uh, can I say eight to 10 billion? I think we're going to be in that, in that range, which that again is perspective. That's a huge year for this category. Um, and we just can't, we, we can't look at the market thinking we did three times ever in 21. We're going to stay at that level for <clears throat> ongoing. Yeah. It's not realistic. So George, why go ahead there, Adam. George, why, why, why? I mean, it's still, yes, I agree. It's still a big, amount of money but why so much less than 2021 what's 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 like do people not believe in the future for work tech what's why, why so I'm, I just, I'm, I'm a little more uh pragmatic i don't like making predictions so i'm a little more conservative and pragmatic but i i think 2021 when i look when i look at data what i take out the anomalies right and uh 2021 looks like a big anomaly uh to me uh you know uh, 5 billion, 5 billion, 18 billion. Um, you know, I, I, I think work tech has emerged. I think the bigger prediction is this is the year where work tech eats HR tech. And I think we're going to see some shifts in, and, uh, in, in market share, we're going to see some shifts in the players that are leading in this case, recruitment technology. Um, and I think a lot of the investment that went in, in 2021 was like, products of the pandemic. You know, how do we, uh, I'm an investor and I finally say, I got to get on this future of work thing. And there was a lot of stupid money that that, that came out. Is I, Colin I'm, right? There's not as much actual cash as there was in 2021? No, there are a lot of, there, there, he, he may have data that I don't have, but I can say that funds have been created. Uh, there's a lot of money that have been raised, that's been raised. There's a lot of uh, they like to say powder that's dry. That's what uh, I thought. Out, out in the space, yeah. Out in the broad VC space. Okay, folks, before we, we, we continue, um, if you have any questions, please ask them and ask question feature at the bottom of the screen. That's where we can get to them at the end. Uh, but having said that, Andy's mentioned something. What is the subcategory of work tech? What would you like to be? This is a question I do want to talk about. Madeline, let's go to you on this. Uh, what is the, the, the category that is the dark horse of 2023? Uh, that you're thinking, you know what? Not enough people are talking about this subcategory of work tech, but it's going to start uh, making some noise towards the end of this year. 
Yeah, you know, my answer is not the one I think is going to make noise at the end of the year. I think it should be, and I don't think it's going to be. I think it's the contingent space. I mean, you talked about it a little bit earlier, but if we look at like 2030 and if the average organization's workforce is comprised, 50% of that workforce is comprised of freelancers or contingent workers, and we're not looking at the full picture, we're missing out on all of our workforce planning strategies, our diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies. So I think, you know, what I'd love to see as being this dark horse, you know, it's not a new category, but the category that we're talking about would be contingent. I just don't see that happening. I do think strategic workforce planning will be something, you know, and I, I don't know if you call it a dark horse, but I think we don't see enough investment in strategic workforce planning. And if things are slowing down, if companies are going through transformation, regardless of what, you know, hiring or retention looks like, strategic workforce planning has to be something that's a priority. Uh, that'd be very interesting and very good news for a lot of our friends that we know, because I think a lot of people are frustrated exactly as to this situation. It seems to be an under-resourced part of the uh of the uh the stack if you like that is is, is absolutely critical yeah we're not putting anything in there so um how about you george what, what is the, the the category that you look at and think you know what that's probably going to be uh, not many people are talking about it now but they will be talking about it in 12 months time i you know i did my own prediction thing earlier this week and i'm i'm i've got a bullet uh with the extended workforce um i think to put a finer point uh, and one of your earlier guests uh, was talking about staffing. Uh, you're going to see a lot of staffing, uh, traditional staffing models shift uh, and become much more tech enabled and provide more services like workforce management, uh, like payroll uh, and, uh, you know, connect to their internal counterparts. Uh, we're already seeing some of that. Some are going to come at us via uh, marketplace job boards some are going to come at us via a more sourcing tool uh, type approaches, but you're going to see this, uh, you're going to see companies like Bullhorn empower their customers to become marketplaces and more digitized enablers for talent acquisition teams, things like that. But it's, it's already on its way. Uh, and I think when you're looking at unemployment the way it is, the detachment of the job market from uh, the economy, you're looking at the skills shortage, it's it's it it's right there in front of us very interesting um okay in terms of who's at the top of the stack you know the the super fragmented uh sort of hr tech world uh particularly when you look at hrises you look at ats's and what have you uh, nobody has more than like 10 percent market share um even the big the big organizations out there do you see a continuation of this fragmentation or are we going to start to see some consolidation across the market or is it just a natural fragmentation in the sense that different industry sector is going to require a different solution and you're not going to get one that scales across the entire piece? I think we're definitely going to see the same fragmentation. I think, you know, even companies that have this idea of we want more consolidation, we want to reduce the number of vendors we're using, they're still going to RFP and replacing systems and using like a fragmented model. So I think that's definitely going to continue. Um, and, you know, for a lot of organizations, they're kind of figuring out, you know, Adam, you brought this up as your prediction, integration. Like we have to figure out integration. We have to figure out a strategy around automation if fragmentation is going to be what the the normal situation is 
Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, the, um, the market, our market's growing. Um, our, the, t the total addressable market for work tech, and it's driven by the emergence of more integrated in the flow of work solutions and work tech is, is going to triple by 2026. I can't give you the number because it's coming out next week, but uh, but it's it's tripling in size. Uh, that's that's huge. Also, what I can say is that um, what's driving that is the adoption of tech uh, downstream from a market segment perspective. We're seeing SMB and middle market companies adopt people analytics, talent analytics, and uh, platforms. Also, emerging markets. We're seeing. Uh, tech providers bubble up, but also adoption in Latin America, in places like Africa, in parts of Asia Pac that we had never seen before. And now we're seeing, uh, you know, even existing incumbent vendors uh, look at uh, even the North American market in new ways and the European market and zeroing in on uh, sort of, you know, niche markets where they have uh, leverage with an industry or language like the dock region or, or what have you. Uh, so it's and that's going to breed fragmentation uh, and uh, you for every acquisition that happens, there's an old line from uh, the CEO of Slack, uh, Butterworth, and he doesn't believe in market consolidation because every acquisition just clears the room for a bunch of other players to move in. And as long as our market is growing, that's the thing that you're going to have, you know, new mousetraps, maybe better mousetraps. Yeah, very interesting. And I think you're right. Acquisition is almost like chopping down a tree. Um, yes, you can take away the lumber and make use of that lumber. That's amazing. But you create the space for a, a new shoots to sprout up and there'll be a, a solution for those folks as well. Very rarely, I think, do, is it exact. Like people t have a sense of loss when, the, when there's an acquisition as well. It's like the relationship might change. There's a switch over in terms of who's talking to who. Uh, inevitably, there's going to be attrition there. Um, Madeline, let's leave it with you. Final word in terms of the predictions uh, from 2023. Can you give us one that you can nail down and say, you know what? Uh, this is not the conventional sort of thing that most people say, but I reckon this is going to happen. Uh, what is that going to be? Um, so I think we're going to see like replacement of CRM. I don't know if that's specific enough um, <clears throat> for our prediction, but I think we're going to continue to see companies replacing their CRMs with other CRM systems and not necessarily seeing the results that they want to see. And I think that's going to continue, continue through the year. But I do, I'll copy one that you posted the other day, which is around the conversational interface. I think for high volume, we're going to see any high volume company at the enterprise level investing in a solution that's not a traditional ATS, that's not a traditional CRM. And that, in, that conversational interface is the only way to go. Yeah, that's going to be very, very exciting. And we're going to be doing something uh, related to this in two weeks time, by the way. Uh, Chat GPT and its use case and applications for recruiting is 500 people already signed up for it. Make sure you register for it because it basically means I got to pay more uh, to Crowdcast in order to open up more space. Um, anyway, uh, uh, listen, uh, great to see uh, Madeline and George. Please do hang around. We've got another 20 minutes before we finish off. It's an extended special. So thank you so much for, see, for, for uh, turning up, uh, you guys, and uh, giving us your amazing insight. Um, uh, fantastic stuff. Um, two people that I think that anybody who's interested in that investment space or the analytics space, you've got to kind of keep an eye on what Madeline and George are doing. Uh, folks, we're coming. I wouldn't say we're coming. Come. This shows like Glastonbury with all these stars coming on. <laughs> we're nearly there. We're nearly there. But before we go, we always do this at the middle of every show. It's coming to the end of the show now, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, we want to make sure that we continue to have this conversation 
even after we come off air, which, as I mentioned, is going to be 20 minutes or so. Uh, so take the moment now uh, to take your LinkedIn URL, share it in the chat stream. Or if you're watching on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever it is, put it in the, the comment thread there and then connect with everyone else you see. Also put their LinkedIn URLs in there. That way you walk away with 20, 30, 40, 50 new connections um, and boost your LinkedIn connections for 2023. Uh, that's the minimum kind of thing you should be expecting from these shows. And by the way, if you do this every week, you're going to get like extra 50 folks every week. Um, so you can actually use this as an opportunity to really boost out um, your network, which I think is going to be a, an important thing to do in any context, but particularly uh, in a world that's changing the way uh, that it is. Okay, we're going to bring on our final guest, I believe, because I'm afraid Andy uh, Foote is on holiday and he, he messaged me earlier today. He couldn't make it, um, which is a terrible shame. Um, but we're going to see if Joe Avent is still with us. Um, I'm not sure if she is um, because she's been waiting a long time and she's also not called herself Joe. Um, there is a Joe there. I'm assuming that's you, my dear. I'm going to just invite you anyway. Um, and let's hope. Cross fingers. Oh, it's never happened. The wrong can't wait. The, one wrong, day, one day, I'm waiting for the one <laughs> for a random Joe to turn up, um, and then we'll see what's what. Um, here we go. Oh, we've got loads of people sharing connections, uh, which is great. Um, Andy Foot is he back? I don't know. He's just um, messaged me somehow. No, he's just said, yeah, thank you. Oh, there she is, Joe Avent, the marvelous Joe Avent. It is you. How are you doing? Is this thing on? It is on. It is on. Yes, I can't. Why am I having to follow all those completely stellar celebrities? Because Hi. you are. Because you're smarter than all of them, and I say that with a due credit and respect to everyone else out there. But uh, by the way, folks, people don't know Joe and I used to work together like way, way, way back when. In fact, when I first started my first job in recruiting, Joe even was at that desk. Uh, and she was so nice, so kind. I would say she put like the initial steps that I needed, the, the bricks on the road that I needed to step forward. Joe even put them down. So Nonsense. mega, I mega great for Joe. You. But you've also done amazing things since then. So tell us who you, what it, who you are, what it is you do currently, Joe. Yeah. So um, thank you, Hung, firstly. And um, not true. I learned incredible amounts from you. But um, I was recruiting with Hung, Highlight. Um, went on, did a bunch more recruiting, mostly in tech in the UK, moved to the US, more recruiting, more tech, um, bounced around a bit, was a business analyst on projects for a hot minute, came back to recruit, you know, once a recruiter kind of always a recruiter, right, gets in your blood, um, then uh, was kind of uh, frustrated with not being able to hire as quickly as the company I worked for then, which was ThoughtWorks. We couldn't hire as quickly as we needed to. And so started using some agile methods from tech um, and use those in our recruiting process. So literally we were having index cards taped to the wall with candidates names, we were moving them physically. And then um, Jake actually from my team um, figured out, wait, we could automate this. <laughs> That's right, Jake, we don't like the paper. Um, so we started Talent Wall, which um, uh, integrates with ATS and basically visualizes your pipeline. We added a bunch of analytics to that. Um, we were acquired last year by a phenomenal company called Crosscheck. Um, and together now we kind of have this uh, recruiting data visualization, pipeline, analytics, and quality of hire, which spoiler alert, that's a big prediction. So 
Yeah, fantastic yeah. stuff. And great to see that journey. You can do it, folks. You can be a recruiter and become a tech founder and actually exit. So well done on that. People love Talent Wall, and it's great to see that thing uh, sort of uh, get the just reward it did. Joe, the, apart from us being mates and you being super smart, the reason why you were invited onto this show and you're the, the final guest is because you wrote, I thought, one of the best blog posts in terms of forecasting that, that I read. Or I was scouring the internet to say, oh, who's making decent predictions? Cliche here, cliche there, moralizing here. Uh, it was it was all that kind of uh, stuff. But you actually came out with something where I thought, wow, really interesting, unique insights, uh, some really uh, a kind of firm predictions. And I love the, the winner-loser framework you put in, in the sense that, okay, this is going to happen. These are going to win. These folks are going to lose. And I thought, that's amazing. So... Uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to try and pick up this this uh, blog post and share it. So I think everyone should read it. But in the meantime, can you talk us a little bit about what sort of how you came to those types of conclusions? What were the main conclusions you came through that you think actually a lot more people need to know about now because it's going to happen in 2023? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when you've been around for a lot of time and you just we speak with a lot of different companies. Um, you kind of layer this, we've seen this kind of, you know, from back in the day when we started out hung and recruiting was kind of seen as this very transactional kind of almost like an admin function. And I don't think we saw it like that back in the day, but that was certainly a perception was it was transactional, it was administrative function. Um, and certainly, thank goodness, we're out of those kind of dark ages now. But looking at that kind of transition, the kind of data maturity that we're seeing with um, recruiting being brought into the you know 21st century um, we've seen all these types of similar patterns happen with sales and marketing which you know they have their own funnel and if you think about the recruiting pipeline as a funnel um, it makes a ton of sense to apply those types of um, approaches and methodologies when you think about the data needed to get folks through that funnel and appeal to them and market to them and get them in evaluate them and kind of um, get them started so I was thinking about that I was thinking about um oh hang on Joe let me let me throw I've just shared yeah. the uh, the link into the chat stream there so folks make sure you click on that and take a take a read um let me reframe the question because I've just like scratch scanned it myself what were your favorite predictions so you made a list of them <laughs> my you made favorite a big list of them. yeah I mean I'm I always root for the recruiter right so anything where the recruiter kind of wins that's my favorite and I think um you know, we've been a bit underserved. We've been the underdogs. We've been underserved by some of the technology we've been sold. We've been, um, you know, the boom bust cycles. The recruiters are always kind of the first ones to get canned um, at the first sign of trouble. Um, so so I think my favorite predictions um, are the ones where, where we're centered and we're essential and we're strategic. And so as I think about quality of hire and all of the analytics coming into um, the space and how important it is for those folks who are in the weeds and have the context and can tell the stories around that data. We're so important and shouldn't and cannot be replaced. We're the kind of guardians and custodians of um, the DEIB, or I think folks in the UK maybe call it EDI, um, that all that important diversity piece as soon as you get machine learning ai you know big data we have to ensure that people are being protected and things are fair and ethical um 
And just to make sense of it, you know, if you're hiring for call center folks, it's not inconceivable. You could hire hundreds of people in a year. If you're an exec search recruiter, maybe you hire 12 people in a year. Maybe that's aggressive. So understanding that kind of context is so, so important when we start revealing data to exec teams who maybe don't understand and think, well, this person's hired 500 people and this person's hired 12. Clearly, this person's much better. It is, you know, so we have to be there to provide that context and give that story. Well, that actually is going to be a really good idea for a future breakthrough live. Like KPIs, how do you how do you set a KPI? But how do you also like vary it? Because we end up boiling it down to the brass tacks and saying, oh, on average, we think a recruiter should hire thirty people a year or something. Uh, but then you think, hang on. The, the person hiring like a high volume, easy to hire job compared to someone who's hiring like geniuses, of course, they're not going to hire the same volume, but how are you measuring them the same way? Um, yet on the spreadsheet, you're going to be measured the same way. So are we at the maturity level where we can vary the KPI or are we at, even at the point where a KPI makes no sense because we have to vary it and KPIs have to be standard. So, yeah. you know, maybe maybe there's a, 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 para, a paradigm shift that we need to make before we're able to be uh, actually accurate with this. I don't know. Um, uh, Joe, you mentioned one thing that I thought was particularly uh, interesting was the um, the, uh, the 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 increase of non-linear hiring. Uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit more about what you're thinking is there? Yeah, I think um, when folks create interview processes, we're kind of familiar with that, um, you know, the cheapest thing at the beginning of the process, because you're not that invested in the candidate, you don't know if they're a good fit or not. So it's that recruiter screen or maybe some automated kind of um, questionnaire that happens. Um, and then as a person moves through the hiring process, we tend to stack, you know, you're not going to meet the CEO doing the phone screen at the beginning. You're going to save that big ticket expensive item, flying someone in, you know, CEO time. You're going to save that right till the final step. But of course, with remote working and um, everyone being able to do Zoom calls for much cheaper, we can kind of play with the order of things, the order of um, stages in the process in a way that we just haven't before. I also wonder if, um, as really interesting insight. conferences really interesting, yeah. and um, our meeting, like we used to religiously go to um, the Grace Hopper Conference, um, which is a massive uh, women-centered tech conference in the US phenomenal um, but we would go there and have conversations with folks at the booth and almost um, that could be the recruiter screen we would go back you know encourage them to apply go back well now they've you know checked that box already and in some cases we'd also have um, some of the developers at the booth as well so it's like while you're here meet so and so who by the way is a hiring manager they have a conversation they scratch enough of that surface to kind of get boxes checked um, I love it it's, it's like an ambush interview it's like yeah. hey <laughs> you, 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 you just wanted the free t-shirt but come here meet your hair manager boom um strangling the pipeline but i think I'll, the thing is I, I think what's interesting here is that the, the, the thing that you're trying to get from a particular process, you can get it in a different way, potentially in a different position in the process. Yeah. The, the point is you've still collected it. Uh, yeah. Like you do need to do some sort of uh, conversational type thing. You do need to do a functional test at some point. You need to maybe meet the team and get some sort of vibe there as well. Um, even though we're, we're very hostile to the idea of, you know, bi we're very conscious of the idea, should I say, of bias and what have you, but still it, it probably is a bad idea to hire someone who everyone has a 
slight weird feeling about, right? So it's one of those, okay, how can we get all of that information? Traditionally, it's in a pipeline, A, B, C, D, E, in a sequential uh, thing that we've set out in advance. But now maybe we can play around the blocks a little bit. Uh, maybe we can move it around. Um, very, very interesting. Um, okay, um, Joe, uh, give us a, give us one more thing uh, before we let you go. Like, what's the thing that you think is going to happen that uh, other people aren't? Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. People are reading it. Uh, people should read this. Um, but um, uh, one thing that basically few, few people are talking about, but you think actually 2023, that's it's a breakthrough thing for for for, for recruiting. Yeah, I think it's quality of hire. We've spent, you know, the last five, 10 years really figuring out how to hire faster, more efficiently, more effectively. We throw these people over the wall and now we're in this kind of day of reckoning of like, well, all those people that we hired so quickly, <laughs> were they any good? Um, and I think, Adam, you had mentioned earlier about predictability. Um, I think there's predictability, scalability, um, you know, reliability as well. And some of those just disciplines and some of that um, sort of rigor is just missing currently. So injecting quality of hire as companies move back towards hiring into their workforces, every hire needs to be um needs to count and people are really paying attention to that. So I think this year is quality of hire, um, building on the kind of efficiency stuff that we've done before. And I can't make it into a number hung, I know you're going to ask. Joe, have you got, a way, of, have you, have you got a way of, uh, have you got like a recommended way of measuring quality of hire? No, I think it's really important. And this is kind of the cross-check thinking as well, is that each company understands what and defines what quality of hire is for their own organization. And this is where recruiters have to be part of that conversation and have to lead it and guide it and be extremely active participants in it. Because without recruiters kind of sanity checking what's going on there, um, things can go interesting quite quickly. Yeah, we I think need we to do it. I'm just going to say one, one, one quick thing. One, one. The the former CEO of Dixon's Carphone once said to me that she thought that um, the way to measure quality of hire was to do with time to performance. So if the if the if the person achieves uh, the expected level of performance at this period, say month two, then that is on par. If it takes them till month three, that is behind par. If they're at it in month one, that's ahead of par. And that was what, what she'd said. And we can actually measure that within, if we're a talent acquisition team sitting right next to a talent management team, all the data is within our, our group, right? So yeah. we, we, we know how to do that. Bringing that data together is something we can potentially do and come out with quality of hire. Yeah, I think if, the, if there's a constant, if the onboarding process, I guess, is constant throughout that, yeah. then, then you can kind of make those comparisons. But if not, you it's apples and oranges isn't yeah, it true. this is true this is true <laughs> uh, that's a really good point um because how has that person entered into the organization that's different even first contact i think is different because mm -hmm. if if they've if someone's applied to an advert the psychology straight away is different from if they've been headhunted for the job um and the mood is different all of that colors the entire relationship going forward so how can you then attribute um how you do attribute quality i think you can do it but it's going to be super difficult and as you say it's it's customized per company it may even be something that recruiters external recruiters might be able to supply as a service perhaps or internal recruiters step up and create uh, sort of uh, provide frameworks to the business to say here's 
different options in terms of how we can use this uh this measurement so um so yeah very very interesting whoever's sitting on in that little space quality of higher i think 2023 should be in good place um okay joe listen we're gonna let you go because it's been a long old show and uh i think we do get kicked off air <laughs> like literally the platform uh, limits me in terms of how long i can stay on so that's going to be the case soon but listen great to see you we'll definitely get you back maybe for a quality of higher conversation a bit later on in the year if you're up for it um and uh yeah we'll pick it up from there Great to see you, girl, and happy new year. Happy new year. Take care. She's great. I mean, literally, I I, I, would lost touch, would lost touch for for a decade until we kind of, I met uh, Joe at... uh, So she forgave you. (laughs) Nothing to forgive. (laughs) Nothing nothing to forgive. Um, But yeah, she's awesome. Um, All right, cool. Well, listen, we've got some questions to answer. Adam, you and I are going to have to tackle these questions, mate. Um, let's go through them. Uh, we've got Hava starting. Uh, Hava saying, okay, why is there such a tight labor market if so many people are looking for jobs globally? Uh, what's your quick answer to that, uh, Adam? Um, the jobs people are looking for and the skills that companies are trying to hire for are mismatched. Correct. That is that my assessment also. Uh, let's go for Nevita. The university challenge here. Nevita. Uh, well, Navita is actually uh, Navita. Sorry, is going to come onto the uh, a show on global mobility. I think, always. But great to see you here. What would you suggest uh, to increase the quality of AI and how to measure it, Adam? I think you already suggested. Yeah, pulse a, check a way hiring to measure. managers. Pulse check hiring managers with every hire that's made. Have it automated so it's an email that goes into them one week after the person starts, three weeks, three months, whatever it is. And then over a six-month period, you'll start to get trends. Cool, cool. And how would you actually increase the quality of hire, though? You've, the measurement is there, but is there any activity that you could do to kind of boost it in some way? That's it. That's an assessment-related thing. And I'm, I'm sad to say I'm just going to have to keep st- say, telling you I don't know anything about it. Stay in your lane, Adam. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, okay, I think Navadita's N- N- actually asked a second question. Um, uh, what if a person performs exceptionally well by second month uh, uh, but leaving less than one year, um, I think. So, in other words, retention's tenure. different, right? That's a different thing. Retention different and yeah. time to performance are two separate things, I think. Yeah, and one is different from quality. I absolutely agree. Um, and you might get someone who comes in immediately amazing, six months. That's all you got, and then out they go. Okay, I think that's about it. A brilliant show, everybody. Really enjoyed it. I, ho- I hope people are patient and staying with us all the way through. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Thanks to all of our guests for their uh, amazing sort of contributions. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to recruit on TikTok, I believe. Um, uh, so this is going to be a very exciting show. We've got people like Joe Lalji is going to turn up and show us. A good friend of mine called Mike Manzi, who's like a big TikTok influencer, is going to join us as well. Um, they're going to show us how actually to behave as a recruiter, grow an audience, do stuff there. Make sure you sign up to the show. Uh, we'll see you next week. Um, okay, that's about it. Thank you very much. See you later. Ah, dear. That was pretty good, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was. It was a really, really great show. I loved everybody's contribution on that. Um, <clears throat> I'm surprised we didn't talk about ChatGPT at all. Uh, yes. We also didn't really talk about things like TikTok or uh, like channels and things like that. We didn't talk about sourcing particularly. There's quite a lot of things we didn't cover, but it's we, such a big space that we live in, right? 
Yeah, I, I was going to invite Irina to talk about uh, uh, sourcing, but she couldn't make it. I think she's on holiday. So there's loads of things we didn't talk about, obviously. Um, but it, it could be a 20-hour show, really. Um, but, uh, but yeah, TikTok's happening next week. Chat GPT uh, is happening the week after. Uh, then we're going to be in uh, – we're going to be talking about global mobility the week after that, so it should be pretty good. All right, that's about it. Uh, what are you doing this weekend? Anything interesting? Yeah. Uh... Bit of bit of exercise, uh, take the kids to sport, stuff like that. Take uh, Glasgow Warriors game, I think, on Sunday. And right now, I've got to do the most middle class thing that you've ever probably heard on this show, and that is clean your auger. No, I've worse than that, much worse than that. I've got to uh, pay and uh, let out the piano tuner. I, I don't know Absolutely if you could hear him tinkling. Ridiculous. He was he was doing like uh, he was tink, tinkling away as we had the show on. At one point, he was doing arpeggios and things, and I thought, I hope you can't hear him on the show. There we go. The problems, the crosses we all have to bear. You know, know. tough life, man. Tough life. All right, listen. You enjoy that. I'll I'll chat to you next week, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye.